Chapter Six of Dyke Darrell. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dyke Darrell, the Railroad Detective, or The Crime of the Midnight Express by Frank Pinkerton. Chapter Six. Dyke Darrell's Danger. Martin Skidway was an old offender and through the efforts of Dyke Darrell he and his uncle had been detected in crime and sent to the Missouri State Prison for a term of years. It was a mere accident that the detective came upon the escaped young counterfeiter, or rather it was through the young villain's own foolhardiness that he was again in Durrance vile. "'I will not serve my time out. You can bet high on that,' asserted the young prisoner in a confident tone. Dyke Darrell more than half suspected that the young counterfeiter knew something of the late crime on the Midnight Express, and during the ride to St. Louis he did all that he could to worm a confession from the prisoner. "'It is possible that you may get your freedom at an early day,' said the detective. "'I have heard of men turning state's evidence and profiting by it.' "'I suppose so. I would advise you to think on this, Martin Skidway.' "'Why should I think on it? Do you think I'm a fool, Dyke Darrell?' "'Not quite,' and the detective smiled. "'I know you have been pretty sharp, young man, but not keen enough to escape punishment. You have five years yet to serve, at the end of which time you may be arrested and hung for another crime. You are giving me wind now. I am not. A terrible crime was committed four and twenty hours since, and on this road, a midnight crime that the whole country will work to punish. It will be impossible for the express robbers to escape.' You are a braggart. I did not say that I will be the one to bring these villains to justice, but I do say that justice will be done, and I expect to see the murderers of Arnold Nicholson hung. The keen eyes of Dyke Darrell fixed themselves on the face of his prisoner, with a penetrating sharpness that fairly made the fellow squirm in his seat. On more than one occasion had the railroad detective brought confession from the lips of guilt, through the magnetism of his terrible glance." He tried his powers on the man at his side, and found him yielding to the pressure, when Skidway suddenly turned his face to the window, and refused to encounter the gaze of his captor. By this means he was able to defy the magnetic powers of the detective. "'Martin Skidway, you may as well admit that you know something of this latest villainy. Even if you were not connected with it, you know who was.' The prisoner remained silent. Dyke Darrell proceeded. You said that you were a brakeman on the train on which poor Nicholson found his death. Was that the truth? It was. It is now for your own good that you make confession, Martin Skidway. I've nothing to confess. Be careful. You can't scare me into telling a lie, said the prisoner, with an assumption of bravado that he did not feel. I don't know anything about the express robbers, only what I've told you. You can make the most of that. I mean to do so, assured Dyke Darrell. I shall not leave the trail until the perpetrators of that crime are secured and punished. In that day you may wish that you had not been so obstinate. I have told all I know. I hope you have. You believe I am lying, Dyke Darrell? It doesn't matter what I believe, retorted the detective. Of course, you are not of the sort who believe in telling facts when a falsehood will serve you better. I did not expect anything different. Arrived at the southwestern metropolis, Dyke Darrell turned his prisoner over to the proper officers, warning them of the dangerous nature of young Skidway, and then he turned his thoughts and feet in another channel. Dyke Darrell went to the office of the railroad company on whose road the midnight crime had been committed, and consulted with one of the officers in regard to the same. "'It is a terrible affair,' said Mr. Holden, the officer in question. 
I telegraphed our folks in Chicago to employ detectives in that city, and expected to have the best talent in the country look into this. Of course. Any clue discovered? None. I believe the villains covered their tracks well, said Dyke Darrell. The express messenger who was murdered was a personal friend. Your friend? Yes, one I had known for years, which explains my interest in the case. I suppose I have your good wishes in hunting down the outlaws? Well, of course, but it is a task that may tax the coolness and ingenuity of skilled detectives. Amateurs have no place on this case, I assure you. Admitted, returned the young detective with a smile. You have heard of Dyke Darrell? I should think I had. He is the best detective in the West, now that Pinkerton is gone. He was a trusted friend of Alan Pinkerton, too. He was. I've telegraphed for our people to see about employing Dyke Darrell. I shan't be content without. Again a smile swept the face of the young detective. It seems that you never met Dyke Darrell, Mr. Holden. Never, but you see him now, at any rate. What? I am Dyke Darrell. You? The same. Dyke Darrell, the railroad detective, the fellow who captured the brute Krogan and broke up the counterfeiter's nest near Iron Mountain, the man who has sent more criminals over the road than any other detective in the West? You? The same, at your service. And Darrell bowed and smiled again. Well, I am astonished. Nevertheless, the incredulous railway officer seemed pleased at the last, and shook the young detective warmly by the hand. I am glad to meet you, Mr. Darrell, and hope that we can induce you to take up this case. A great many suspects have been reported, but I take stock in none of them. I trust the whole affair, the management of it, I mean, to you. Will you go into it, Mr. Darrell? Certainly. Some time longer the detective and official talked, and the lamps in the streets were lit when Dyke Darrell left the presence of Mr. Holden, and turned his steps toward a hotel. "'I must send a line to Nell,' mused the detective, as he moved along. "'I shall remain a short time in St. Louis, as I may pick up some points here that will be of use to me. I am of the opinion that either this city or Chicago holds the perpetrators of this latest railroad crime.' The detective did not see the shadowy form flitting along not far behind. A man had shadowed the detective since his departure from the railway office. Dyke Darrell, in order to make a short cut, had entered a narrow street, where the lights were few and the buildings dingy and of a mean order. Moving on, deeply wrapped in thought, the detective permitted his shadow to steal upon him, and just as Dyke Darrell came opposite a narrow alley, the shadow sprang forward and dealt him a stunning blow on the head. The detective reeled, but did not fall. Partially stunned, he turned upon his assailant, only to meet the gleam of cold steel as a knife descended into his bosom. End of chapter 6